Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's first reading from Genesis chapter 18. And we'll hear again these words. Abraham said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in my office I have a piece of furniture called a prie dieu, which is poorly pronounced French for pray to God. And that's what this piece of furniture is all about. It's meant to be an aid and assist in one's life of prayer. So it consists of a cushioned kneeling surface and also a padded armrest. And underneath the armrest, there's a little cubby where you can put a Bible or some prayer books or something. I always wanted one of these, and I looked for one for quite a while, uh, but I didn't want to pay for one because they start at about 200 bucks for the really cheap ones and then just go up from there. But then one day, my wife called me from the Manitowoc Goodwill store, and she said, Hey, they've got one of those prayer things you've been looking for. It's eight bucks. Do you want it? For eight dollars, I was happy to have one. Now, I don't tell you that story to brag about my life of prayer. Just the opposite. I say it by way of confession. By God's grace alone, I am a child of God. I'm a Christian man, and it's further grace of God that has allowed me to be a pastor, a called servant of the Word. So you would think with those things that my life would be all about prayer. But the time that I spend on my knees praying to our Heavenly Father, well, honestly, I'm just kind of ashamed. That piece of furniture that I have with the fancy French name doesn't get as much use as I wish it did. It looks just about as nice and new as the day my wife brought it to me. And I'm guessing that most of you, if you're honest, would confess a similar lack of devotion in your prayer life. Well, in the portion of God's word before us today, our God who hears and answers our prayers comes to us and he invites us, he encourages us to do better. And he does so by first of all reminding us of his grace and then setting before us the example of Abraham. Abraham was a man of prayer, a man that we would do well to imitate. And so today we want to learn to pray like Abraham. And that means that we pray with a humble heart. That means that we pray unselfishly. And it means that we pray persistently. Abraham had just experienced one of the most important events in his life. Three men, actually the Lord and two of his angels, had come for a visit. And they gave Abraham some shocking news. Within a year, his elderly wife Sarah was going to hold a baby, her own son, in her arms. And as these men were getting to to leave after giving that news, they looked down toward the wicked city of Sodom, a a city that was just renowned for its sinfulness. And God made clear that he was going to destroy that wicked city along with its sister city, Gomorrah. And at this point, we're told, the men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Abraham had something on his heart and mind. He had something that he wanted to say. Now, before we get into the content of his prayer to the Lord, I want you to notice the attitude with which he brought it. Not far into the prayer, Abraham said this, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. Let's review a little Bible history. 
Before the fall into sin, God warned Adam of the consequences of eating of that forbidden fruit. He said, when you eat of it, you will surely die. And with the bitter taste of that fruit still on on Adam's lips, God confirmed those consequences. He said, dust you are, and to dust you will return. Does this help you to understand what Abraham meant when he called himself nothing but dust and ashes? In no uncertain terms he was saying, Lord, I am a sinful man who deserves to ask for nothing for you, for nothing from you in prayer. He recognized that if God was going to give any answer to his prayer, it wouldn't be given on the basis of Abraham's merit or worthiness, but only because of God's mercy and compassion. My friends, we face the same situation. Sin makes us unworthy to pray to our God. This is how Isaiah put it. He said, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Our sin is like cotton stuffed into God's ears. Sin builds a a soundproof wall, a barrier which no prayer can penetrate. And yet, Abraham... This sinful man dared to come before the Lord with his request. How could he do that? Well, it wasn't arrogance or presumption on his part, nor did he have this false idea in his head that that God really didn't worry so much about sin, that he would just overlook it and ignore it. No, Abraham's confidence came from the fact that our God is the God of faithful grace. He is the God of boundless mercy and compassion. He is the God who both loves and forgives sinners. Remember, God had just given Abraham the promise of a son. And Abraham knew what this meant. From his son would one day descend the son, the son of God, the savior of the world. That's what gave Abraham the confidence to come to God and pray. He is the God of grace. My friends, our confidence is just the same. God has he's pulled the cotton out of his ears and he's torn down that soundproof wall. He sent his son to do this. He sent his son to restore our broken relationship and repair the connection between us. Moments ago, we heard these words. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You see, the Lord Jesus carried your sin and my sin, the whole world's sin, to the cross, where priceless blood flowed from his holy veins down onto us to cleanse us from every sin, to ransom us from our slavery. We are forgiven in Christ. And so now Jesus is our go-between, our mediator, the connection between us and our God. Did you know this is why we often close our prayers by saying, in Jesus' name we pray, or through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, we sinners can dare to come to our God in prayer. In him, God has forgiven all our sins. And so our God is now approachable in Christ. My friends, though we have this privilege of prayer, uh, we don't come with a bold uh, attitude of cockiness uh, or arrogance or something like that. We come like Abraham came in humility. We come like the tax collector came and prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
And oh, does God have mercy on us. He forgives us all our sins and even gives us the privilege of prayer. So then, since we have this privilege in Christ, what should we pray about? Well, there's literally nothing that's off the table. We can bring any topic to our God in prayer. This morning we heard Jesus teach the Lord's Prayer to his disciples. In that prayer, he really stresses that we should focus on in our prayers on spiritual blessings, on eternal things that we need. Abraham, in his prayer, takes it a little bit of a different direction. Abraham prays first for others. His is really an unselfish prayer. You think about it for a second. Uh, Abraham wasn't going to be destroyed. He wasn't going to face the fire and brimstone raining down on those cities because Abraham was a nomad. He was a tent dweller. He lived out in the fields. No, he prayed for those who were living in that city, specifically for the righteous who were there, which means those who were believers in the one true God, including Abraham's own nephew, Lot, and his family. But his prayer was really an unselfish one. It was a prayer for others. In the way he offered that prayer, in the topic of his prayer, Abraham really sets an example for us. And it's one that's, that's a challenge for us to follow because it's not our natural inclination to think of others and to put them first. But remember, my friends, when we look at our Savior's cross, when we remember what he gave up, how he put us and our salvation first before himself. When we hear his words, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, even for us. It is then that we will be moved to pray for others first. A number of years ago, there was a nurse who came up with a, a kind of interesting system for organizing and prioritizing her prayers. As she was working, she, of course, didn't have access to a hymnal or a prayer book or something like that. So she decided to use her hand as a way to remind her of what to pray for and what order in which to pray it. And she, she used each finger of her hand as a way of reminding her of whom to pray for. She started with her thumb. And she thought, my thumb is the closest finger to me. That reminded her to pray for those who were close to her, those who were near and dear, her family, her friends, and her loved ones. Next comes the pointer finger, which is used to point. That reminded her to pray for those who teach others. We would think of praying for our pastors and our teachers. Next comes the middle finger, which is the tallest of the fingers. That reminded her to pray for those who are in positions of leadership and authority. Again, we think of praying for our elected leaders of our congregation uh, or for the various leaders at different levels of our government. Next comes the ring finger, which I'm told is the weakest of all the fingers. Apparently piano teachers know this. Musicians know this. That reminded her to pray for those who are weak, those who are struggling, those who are suffering in some way. And finally came the little finger, the pinky finger, which is the smallest of the fingers, the least important of all the fingers, and the one that reminded her also to come before God and ask for his blessings for herself. That's an unselfish plan for prayer. The same one that Abraham illustrates for us today. Pray for others first. And as we do so, my friends, Abraham also teaches us to be persistent, to never give up. You know, Abraham came, I believe it's six times before the Lord, with exact, pretty much exactly the same prayer. In fact, listening to that lesson can be kind of hard because the same thought repeats over and over and over again. Jesus taught the same thing in our gospel today. 
He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Those words could also be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Our Savior, too, encourages boldness and persistence in prayer. He invites us to pray like Abraham. On Monday of this week, I had the privilege of praying, playing a round of golf uh, with a dear friend of mine. We teed it up out at the golf course on Branch River. Absolutely beautiful day, and that's a beautiful course in a lovely setting. I mean, well manicured, fairways and greens, and I didn't score very well, but other than that, it was a great day. Except for one thing, the gnats. Any of you who have ever golfed out at Branch know about the gnats. You see, that course is built basically in swamp land right along the Branch River. Perfect breeding ground for those little insects. And so no matter where you go, you've got this cloud of gnats around you. And you can shoo them away with your hat, and they'll go away for a couple of seconds, but then they, they come back immediately. I mean, they are just the picture of tenacity and persistence. My friends, be like those gnats. Be tenacious. Be persistent. Bother God with your prayers. That's what he wants. He inspired his apostle to write, Pray continually. The parable of the persistent widow begins with these words. It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And my friends, we can do this. We can pray persistently, knowing and trusting that our God is not going to try to shoo us away because he delights to hear the prayers of his believing children. He loves to answer those prayers. That's his promise. Again, Jesus said, Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So did God answer Abraham's prayer? I mean, he prayed boldly and persistently that God would spare the city of Sodom, but it was destroyed. Well, God did answer Abraham's prayer. In fact, he did even more than he promised to do. There were not ten righteous people, not ten believers in that city, but God still rescued Lot and his family. Because our God is good and gracious, he hears and he answers. I want to close with a, a brief story. There was a pastor who had a member of his congregation who was on his deathbed. He, of course, went to visit the man, and as he walked into the room, he noticed that he had a chair pulled up beside the bed, really, really close to the bed, and he said, well, I see I'm not your first visitor today. And the man said to his pastor, well, pastor, I'll, I'll tell you about that chair. Years ago, I really had trouble praying. I just didn't know how to do it. I just really struggled with it. And so my pastor talked to me about it, and he said, you know, you're, you're trying too hard to find the correct posture or the, the correct flowery words or something like that. He said, I want you to do this. He said, get two chairs. He said, set one in front of you, set the other one, uh, you, you set yourself in the other one. And then just imagine that the Lord Jesus is sitting in that empty chair and talk to him as you would talk to a dear friend. He said, Pastor, I've been doing that ever since. The next day, that man's daughter called the pastor to let him know that he had died during the night. And then she added a detail. She said, Pastor, we noticed that he was lying in bed, but his hand was stretched out and it was lying on an empty chair beside the bed. Isn't that strange? And the pastor said, no, you know, it's not really strange at all. 
My friends, don't let prayer become strange to you. A gracious and forgiving God invites you to pray. The Lord Jesus suffered and died to win your salvation and with it the privilege of prayer. So come before your Father's throne of grace. Come with a humble heart, thankful for his forgiveness and salvation. Come unselfishly with all kinds of requests for others before the request for yourself. Come to that throne of grace persistently again and again. And come, my friends, trusting that God, for the sake of his Son, hears and answers for your good. God grant this to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen.